0: Welcome to Change Board's Future Talent Podcast, our series of exclusive interviews with senior business leaders and thinkers to uncover their perspectives on the changing world of work. My name is Mary Appleton and I'm Change Board's Chief Editor. Today I'm joined by Helmut Schuster, who's Global HR Director for energy giant BP. Don't forget to subscribe to the Future Talent Podcast and listen to our range of interviews via iTunes. SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. During a career which has seen him take on roles in marketing, HR and operations, Helmut oversees the HR strategy for 74,000 colleagues working across 70 countries. Since joining BP in 1989, Helmut has held a number of leadership roles and he became Group Human Resources Director in 2011. In this podcast, Helmut talks about his current role and his strategy for the HR function at BP. He also outlines what he believes are the key skills that every HR professional needs for the future, as well as discussing his broader passion for increasing participation and access to STEM careers and how he's working to increase diversity across all areas within BP. Lovely to have you with us today, Helmut. Pleasure. So, You're the global HR director for BP. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your remit and your ambitions for the function within BP?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I think as an HR person of such a large company as BP, I think there are a number of things you need to do very well. But uh, ultimately what I think it is, uh, make sure that the company attracts the right people, hires the right people, and has the capability to find the right people to move into leadership positions. At the end of the day as HR function, we always need to remember that. It's at the end of the day hiring the right people, promoting the right people, and if needed exiting people who don't fit the company.
0: And what are your ambitions for the function?
1: Um, I think HR is going through enormous transformation, Um, not only in BP, across the globe, across corporate America, corporate Europe and corporate world. I think that is very important to understand. I do believe that businesses more and more realize it's about two things really. People and technology and HR needs to play a far prominent role in making sure that people um, are ready to embrace that, but equally that companies have actually access to the right people. Uh, That's the big thing at the highest level. But at the second level, I think that also means that HR function will play a bigger role. For many years, we've asked actual we want to have a seat at the table, we want to be more strategic. I think now has come the time when we are expected to have a seat at the table, when we expect it to be more strategic. Questions, are we ready for doing that? Because that means that we change our mindset. That means that we understand the business we serve much, much better. That means that we understand technology much better. That means that we embrace the future in a more proactive way. That means we become simpler and more focused. And that also means that uh, we are the guardians really of the right culture and behaviors. Um, And I think that's a huge task for all of us.
0: Absolutely. So you talk there about people and technology. Can you talk about any initiatives that you're driving or introducing within BP that are kind of looking at people working alongside or with technology in a productive way?
1: Yeah, we have started uh, some time ago um, a project called HR Modernization. And uh, the thinking started a long time ago, but the idea was really is realizing that technology is advancing very quickly, Um, we also realized that HR functions across the globe, uh, but in particular also in our industry, are probably not as modern as they should be, and that uh, the connection between humans and machine is not as it could be. So initially what we had to do, what we have to do, is actually put things, all our systems into the cloud, because that then means actually we're going to have a platform to really use data in a far more joined up way. Now, the holy grail is really that um, we move transaction work from HR people into um, different sources of getting these things done. That might be service centers, but increasingly it's going to be robots, machines, artificial intelligence. I think one of the key things we need to do is actually turn uh, data points into information analysis and then really prepare for good decision making. Now this is a long way out, mm. um, but the first step, laying the foundation with joined up systems, joined up thinking, um, that's what we're hopefully gonna be finishing um, April next year and I'm very confident we just had the experience day with uh, key members of my team to give us a glimpse into the future and it was actually much better than anticipated. Um, I think we understand it much better. How we can really cut out work, simplify processes, be far more effective, be far more customer centric. I think that's a work word everyone should remember. Customer centric- centricity is very important for HR people and the HR functions as a whole.
0: And do you think that it requires a different mindset to kind of get on board with that?
1: You give me all the right words. Yes, <laughs> mindset is far, far more important than ever. Um, and this is just my own observation. I think in a we are normally uh, either very conservative yeah. or we're very, very basically out-of-the-box thinking mm-hmm. and create products nobody really needs. And sometimes we overcomplicate Uh, getting things done in an effective way. And I think that's what really is so important as a mindset, as a function I think we need to modernize and change our mindset. What does it actually mean? I think we need to firstly understand who our customers, who are clients. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not always That's not always only the team leaders, I think it's the employees as well. I think too many HR functions identify themselves, serve the business, serve the team leader. I think a great HR function really understands how to basically listen to the employees, listen to the team leader, listen to the needs of the business, and then come up with wise decisions and wise uh, counsel to the business. I think that is very important. Creating win-win situations is very, very important. I think the other thing in terms of mindset change is very important. We just need to embrace technology. I think this is so important. Um, I'm just meeting a group of uh, new HR people who joined the company recently tonight. And most of them are either from psychology background, geography. I think, um, and this is now wishful thinking, I would like to have more STEM people working the function. I would like to have more people really, really embrace and understand technology. Um, I would like to have more people in HR who really, and that's for me very important, identifies business people who happen to look after the people agenda. And that's the way I define HR. And this is actually a big mindset change.
0: Okay, and as well as the mindset change, you you touched on a couple of kind of capabilities and skills that, that HR people might need. What do you think are kind of the key skills that HR people need to to keep pace with the change that's happening at the moment
1: yeah I think I think it's really important technology you simply need to understand technology if you cannot actually understand technology or it joins up I think it's going to be very difficult to, to support the business in yeah. the right way um, I think the second thing which is extremely important understand numbers I think um, today, as an entire person, you need to do budgets. you need to do numbers, you need to do planning. You need to understand how the company earns money, how your business earns money. Yeah. So important. You cannot survive without that. Um, and I think the third thing, and I pick up three, and this might be um, something you say, well, so what? I think it's empathy. I think we need to get back to the point where we have HR function that really care for people, can show empathy. um, I think that's going to be more and more important as well. Um, Because at the end of the day, um, companies will be more and more required to look after the workforce. Millennials, the next generation, they will have very different expectations of their employer. And I think we're just beginning to fully grasp how big this change is going to be.
0: Okay. And you touched on it earlier, you would like to see more people from STEM backgrounds come into HR. I know you're very passionate about the STEM agenda. So I'd love to hear more about kind of some of the initiatives that you're rolling out within BP to reach more people and get them into STEM careers.
1: Yeah, I I think um, I recently had a conversation with our head of country. Who's very passionate, Peter May, that's very passionate about STEM. Uh, and obviously, everyone in this company is very passionate about that. Yeah. Uh, um, I think we need to start very early. I think, firstly, we need to influence people about, uh, give them a very clear understanding of what does it mean if I study STEM or if I don't study ch- STEM, mm-hmm. if I do something else, what does it mean for my career? Um, What can I do? I think too many people have not a very clear understanding. What does it mean to be an engineer? What does it mean to be a trader? And I think we need to be far more education, which we started doing many, many years ago. We have many programs, outreach programs. We go to schools, we go to universities. Uh, But there are a couple of programs I really, really, really do like, and I want to share that. One is basically program is our AFS STEM Academy. Yeah. And this is really just recognizing that uh, we need to encourage people early on to go for STEM careers. So we target age group 15 to 7 before people have made up their mind what I'm actually going to study. Um, and we also realize that global capability, global understanding is so important. So we combine the two and hosting um, uh, students at that age, 15 to 17, uh, put them through what we call STEM Academy, which is a BP uh, AFS initiative. And we allow people to be or go to places like Chicago, okay like Egypt and Brazil, and we offer scholarships for them to do that. Very, very proud of that. Obviously there are many other things we do. Um, but I think this is one of the key items I'm very proud of. We obviously have many sponsorships. Um, uh, we have many corporations and universities. Um, we now have a very interesting, uh, partnership with a company with a uh, social uh, enterprise called white hat um, and they basically help us find people at the apprentice level yeah um, to come in um, and just grow through the ranks of the company um, i think that is very important uh, we obviously do a lot of education encourage female um, youngsters to to really understand uh, what it means, what does it offer to do a STEM career? We're very proud of that because we do believe we do believe education early on is very important for people to make the right choices. So there's a whole range of things we do, um, and it could go on forever. But I think it's very important as a company you realize um, you have an obligation in society to get people to do the right thing.
0: And is that translating, or is it a little early to say at the moment, is that translating into the future talent pipeline within BP?
1: Well, I, I think it will be translating. I think it's obviously a bit early, but I, I, I do believe we cannot leave it to, to countries anymore. And I think countries are actually asking for help. Government, societies are asking for help. Yeah. Big companies, can you help actually to help our next generation educators do? So I see very, very early good promises. We hire now, like, and this is very encouraging. We hire actually um, uh, into the company roughly 50-50 uh, gender diversity. I think okay. that's very good. I think we still wish we had far more female engineers applying. Yeah. But um, equally, I mean, some of the young uh, female engineers you see are just blow me away, really blow me away. Um, they're very talented. Uh, but um, I think we just need to encourage more female engineers to, to go for that kind of career.
0: Okay, so drawing on, um, on uh, the kind of gender stuff then, I was reading one of your articles earlier and in right. which you, you say... <laughs> which one <laughs> was that? About, about female <laughs> talent. So <laughs> in the article you say that you believe that talent is yeah. gender neutral. All oh, right, I agree with However, that. However, opportunity is not. No, Can so you tell yeah. us what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the reason why I thought about that, I mean, when you think about that, and I think about that in a global way, I do believe wherever you go, you probably have equally talented males as females. But when you think about career, it starts very early on with people get from their parents. You know, what does a career look like? Yeah. Uh, what uh, What should girls do? What should boys do? And I find it really interesting. Uh, and this is a very personal example. My mother was actually a very strong woman. Um, and she was very, very open-minded to everything. What I found really amazing how she raised my sister, actually quite different from the way she raised me. <laughs> I had all the space I could ever get and my sister had significantly less space. Okay. So I think that was often many years ago, but I still see that currently going on. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what it is, changing the mindset of of young boys and girls uh, any more similar would be very important. But I equally I equally believe that in many societies it's very very difficult for girls to study engineering. Yeah. There's a lot of peer pressure early on, and I think um, that's where we, as large company, we I think we cannot um, be completely out of step with society. But I think what we can do is. Um, um, uh, help evolution in certain countries, um, provide role models uh, for yeah. societies. I think that's what I see our role as big company, mm. to really just help societies. And the interesting thing, many countries in which we operate is, they ask for our help. Yeah. Uh, they ask us to help them, to partner with them, because obviously it's their interest as well, to groom great engineers, great talent. Um, I think we have a long way to go. I think we have come a long way. Um, but I think that is something, uh, and many people believe um, gender diversity is going to come automatically with the millennial next generation. Um, I, think, uh, I think it will take a lot of work for many, many years to come to really work on the issue of gender equality and uh, really encourage, encourage far more female um, to study. And understand the choices they make and the consequence of the career choices they make.
0: Mm. But I guess that BP is well placed to kind of provide inspiration through role models, like you say.
1: Yes, I'm I'm actually delighted. I'm I'm so proud. And uh, um, uh, we have a number of very inspirational females. um, And I don't want to name them here because (laughs) otherwise, uh, if I forget somebody or one person. But I'm really inspired by the talent, the female talent we have, the pipeline we have. Um, and so I'm very confident and also in turn, uh, what really encourages me, how many uh, male leaders, senior leaders, uh, mentor, encourage uh, and serve as brilliant role models for our next generation of leaders. So that that gives me a lot of hope that uh, uh, we are progressing quite, quite rapidly.
0: Fantastic. So... You set a goal as BP, I believe, in 2011 to have women represent at least 25% of group leaders by 2020? Yes. So, what initiatives or things have you put in place to help support that ambition?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it basically started with ambition. At the time, I think we didn't have such a clear plan in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there are a couple of things we did, which I think is very important. The first thing what we did is actually we looked at our, our, our pipeline. Yeah. Um, um, we uh, significantly focused in our talent conversation that people, that leaders would really look, get to know their people. I think that's the most important thing. You need to get to know your people. Uh, you need to have conversation, you need to have in dialogue. So our talent process, I think, are far better equipped now to identify female talent very early. But equally, with mentoring, with we believe sponsorship is really, really important. I think that's so important. Um, I think we have more and more, and we had that for a long time, open door policy. policy. Uh, and I think that is very important. Many of our leaders are very happy to have get to know your conversations just informal dialogue which I think is important to really just give people an example it's not that terrible to be at that senior level in this company because my concern is that very many female leaders just self-select out Yeah, and uh, for many reasons but in many Many times these reasons are just not good reasons, it's just basically building a assumption. What does it take to be a senior leader in the company? What does it take to be an executive? And so by having many of these informed conversations, get-togethers, uh, this is getting better. We have a great, um, we call it business resource group. It's called BP Win, um, which was always led by the most inspiring female leaders. Uh, I think this get together, these networks, this singling out also like male sponsors, male supporters is very important. And so I think we've come a very, very long way on that uh, path.
0: Fantastic. So the ambition was 25 percent by 2020. We're in 2018. Yes. Can you share where you're up to?
1: Well, I think I think we are, I think we're I'm mean, I'm very confident that we're gonna be um, at at um, 25% in into the 20. I think current and it's difficult depending on the month and the fluctuation. Yeah. but I think we should be around right now as we talk probably at about 25, 22, 2.5%. Okay. Um, the nice thing is, I mean, the way I look at it is we have actually increased every year by a percent. So yeah. if you continue on the current trajectory, we should be in a good place. Um, to have exactly that number in 2020. Uh, uh, but I think the important thing about targets and goals is not to shy away, to set goals, um, even if you believe it's aspirational or you yeah. cannot fully. Um, I think we set out, we had no idea at the time because I think when we set it out, I think we were at like 15%. or So it was to se- seemed to be this, this huge mountain um, and uh, so I'm not so much concerned whether we hit it in 2021, 20 uh, but I've looking at the pipelines, I'm very confident that we will be where we said we want to be. And I think uh, BP, we are normally very cautious with targets because mm-hmm. we we really like to deliver what we said we wanted to deliver. Um, so I would be surprised if we don't hit it. Uh, but I think it was the right thing to do at the time. And with many conversations mm-hmm. and many females that we don't want to have target, we said, well, it's not a quota. So we really, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, we want to encourage people. We want to basically have a goalpost, and uh, so I think very really good place. But um, it was uh, a lot of work, and I think uh, I want to thank everyone in the company. It was basically female leaders who served as a role model, but also male leaders who really understood what we we're trying to do and helped us a lot.
0: Yeah. So heading in the right direction, yeah. and I'm interested to know. So BP is obviously traditionally a male-dominated industry, engineering-heavy. Did you have any challenges in terms of getting men on board with kind of um, inclusion of females?
1: Well, actually, the, I mean, and it's difficult. I've been working with this company for a long time, and Dina has been around for such a long time. Yeah. Um, even when I started in 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 in, in, in my career in, in the early 90s, yeah. uh, uh, I think D and I was always something which was very important for the company. So um, in, in many ways, it was really non-brainer. Most of our female executives, yes, of course. Um, but but uh, we we've had training around unconscious bias and uh, um, many awareness days. Uh, and the interesting thing is uh, that everyone has unconscious biases, and I'm also going to do the conscious biases. Mm-hmm. And it was sometimes meant in a very positive, supportive way can backfire. And that was actually the interesting thing about the journey, saying, okay, we thought that was a good thing to do. And then some of the guys realized maybe, well, that was not such a good <laughs> thing to yeah. do. Um, no, it actually was not difficult. I mean, it really was not difficult. I think uh, our, our leadership completely gets it. Um the thing is what I think is very important, we just need to really realize it's a huge task because our industry still has a reputation not to be very friendly. People still have images of an yeah. industry which is out- outdated. Um, uh, people think this have to spend all the time at a rig or if you're a female engineer. Yeah. Um, so I think people don't fully see all the jobs we offer for engineers and the way what people actually do on the job. I find it also interesting when I go to colleges or universities, even they study engineering, people have very little understanding what the job they're going to do is actually going to look like. Okay. Uh, and I think we need to do a, probably a bit more education how modern as an industry is, how much technology there is. If you want to join a tech company, you might also join us because there's so much technology deployed to do what we have to do.
0: Mm. Okay. And so you mentioned kind of D&I has been around for a long time and we've talked a lot about gender. Are there any um, other areas of diversity that you're particularly looking at at the moment within BP?
1: Yeah, I, I think gender is one thing which which has been around for a long time. I think it's a very important. I still think it is one of our key priorities for next years. We have been looking at LGBT, obviously. But yeah. again, I think as a company, we are been a very good place now, depending on the geography we're in, uh, yeah. it's probably easier in the US and the UK. If you come to sure. the Middle East, it's probably a different conversation. But I still think we are doing a very good job in serving um, the LGBT community. It is a topic. And again, uh, when I think about the conversation about our senior leaders, our executives, I think um, they're just very supportive. And that's actually makes it easy for a person to work in that kind of context. Um, I think um, uh, global capability is very important, I think that's even more important. We operate in a global world, we are operating very international, so getting the the mix of cultures right, of of countries right, I think is very important. Um, I think ethnicity is a very important issue, so we work on that. Again, that has been a priority for many, many years, Mm -hmm. Um, but um, it's always difficult to get it right. I think we we talk a bit about second and third language with many employees. 55% of our employees, or more than that, are now outside the U.S., U.K. We used to be a very U.K.-U.S.-centric company. Just to create the awareness, not everyone's first language is English, even America. We have many Chinese Americans, very Mm -hmm. Hispanic Americans. So there are many areas we're working on, um, but I believe we need to focus on certain areas and try to be inclusive, because that's, for me, the answer, really. Inclusion is the answer to good diversity at the end of the day. So we've been talking about inclusion far more than we we, we have done in the past, to really listening very, very um, uh, proactively. Are we excluding uh, people to feel people excluded? Uh, And so the inclusion initiative, I think, is something very important we do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you alluded to this earlier um, in terms of millennials coming into the workforce. How do you think that the expectations of future talent have changed over the years? And, and how are you responding to that within BP?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, it's one of my favorite topics because I do believe uh, Um, many things Uh, we talk so much about millennials everything is about millennials in many ways when you think about in 2025 75 percent of the workforce will be millennials and most people think millennials are 20-somethings nowadays I think millennials up to 37 already (laughs) Um, so there's no surprise that they're going to soon be the majority of the Mm. workforce Um, I think uh, much to do with millennials is in many ways they've the same needs and wishes and desires uh, as my generation yeah. had. Um, but I do believe there some things that are, are different with the millennials. Firstly, I think they're very clear about which kind of experience they like, the need and they want to flourish. And secondly, I think they are indeed much better with technology and far more open-minded. I think they're also far more um, like instant uh, uh, that means things need to happen quicker yeah. and be simpler. That's what they're used to. And the way I think about millennials is actually need to really focus as a company, as an employer, on three key experiences you need to give them. First is actually the digital experience. You don't want them to enter the office and have a less exciting digital experience than they have in at home in the, in the study or living room. Uh, so I think companies need to think about that. The second thing is, and this is the physical experience, um, I think we need to be very careful, uh, the office spaces we create. We need to think about um, um, collaboration spaces. Uh, we should not only think about permanent or offices. So I think the design of the office environment is far more important than it used to be. And the third thing is really what I call the emotional experience. I think millennials want to be led in very different ways from uh, the boomers, for example, or the Generation X. I think um, a very good relation, open, constructive dialogue with the boss is extremely important. And unless as a company, I think that's very important. You can actually combine these three experiences, digital, physical, and emotional experience, and create an interesting offer and include that in your employer brand. I think you're going to find it very, very hard to find the best. And I think this is what I've learned. And we do a number of things for millennials. We just uh, joined a number of years ago and sent a delegation to an uh, event called One Young World. Yeah. It brings leaders together from all over the world, 1,500 inspiring conversations. And um, I thought by offering 25 spaces, uh, company sponsored, that was generous, I had no idea that they would have far more than 300 applications mm-hmm. to go there. Uh, so uh, it shows me that the millennials are interested in learning, are interested in actually opening their horizon, are interested in ba- basically building global capability. Uh, and so as a company's employee, I think you need to do many things to listen to this generation, to listen to the millennials, and then really adjust and adapt accordingly.
0: You mentioned that millennials are expecting to be led in a different way. What do you think that means for leadership and how can leaders adapt themselves to respond to that?
1: Well, um, I think the first thing, get to know them. I think the first advice to a leader is if you have millennials working for you or even the next generation, make sure that you understand. They don't have this clear delineation between person and private. They want to share. Um, and, and the reason why I think it is so, yeah, because I do believe it's a generation where the parents are more friends than only parents. And they come to the workspace and want to have, I think, a similar experience. They want to have dialogue. They want to yeah. be understood. They want to share the personal life. They expect that they know a bit about your personal life. <laughs> and that's obviously a huge change from, yeah. from the olden times. Uh, I find it very, as a leader, as, a, as a, I find it very, very exciting. I find it very, very empowering. Um, I think that's the thing uh, leaders need to do. Um, I think uh, do away with hierarchy, don't basically just uh, point out that you're the boss. I think this is a very counterproductive thing. Um, and the second thing is ask them. I think that the most inspiring and empowering things is ask them for help. Um, and I promise every leader here, they can help you a lot in many areas because they are quite broad and uh, it's not only technology. They're very educated, they know how to help themselves yep. and uh, meet them at eye level is very important.
0: Okay, and big question, but what are your hopes or ambitions for the future world of work?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, just you need to, and I think you know that anyhow, I'm a very positive person. I think I'm absolutely optimistic. I I, I really do believe that uh, the world is in very good hands with the next generation. I think there's a generation of leaders growing up that probably are going to be much better than our generation. I think that's our job. Um, But I think the big, big trend is technology will actually be a key trend that it's not going to go away. I think inclusion and diversity is going to be so important. I think we're going to have more and more multicultural team. And unless you're really globally uh, fluent, if you have cultural fluency, I think it's going to be very, very hard to be successful as a company. So this is a very, very big trend for me. Um, and I also do believe that, uh, and some people might not like that, that the distinction between work and life is, is decrease. Mm. So I think to figure that out, what does like, it agility mean at work, what does, um, what does work-life balance mean, uh, needs to be significantly seriously redefined. So I think these are the big three things which I see coming. Uh, I think it's exciting to change the work, but I also believe that uh, more and more companies to think, how do we create um, inspiring spaces for the workforce? Because when you think about why do Apple, why do all the big companies, tech companies, build these huge campani- campuses? Uh, they do it because they realize working for home is not the answer. Yeah. You need to build community. I think this is so important. You need to give people a space where they can think together, build together. I was recently at the head office of WeWork in New York. Mm just a completely different experience. Wonderful, invigorating, yeah. and it's not only that only youngsters work; that there were quite a few mix of generation. Uh, I think that's a big thing as well. Generation work, great spaces where different generations can be at work, and benefit from each other. Because I do believe experience is the most overrated thing, but equally it's the most underrated thing. Yeah. It can mix actually youthful spirits. With the experience, I think this world is in very good hands. Mm,
0: Great collaboration. Okay, And so from a personal perspective, then, you're obviously really passionate about your career and job and and what you do. Um, How do you kind of keep motivated day to day? You know, how do you kind of um, get that work life balance?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I do believe you need to have interests outside work. Uh, I do have a whole range of interests, and I think you know some of my interests, but I can share that. Uh, yep. I, I have a cone like coffee shops. I love cooking. I love eating. Um, and it also, like when you work for a very large corporation, just to see the reality of small business, small startup, where every penny really counts, where you are direct contact with clients, customers, where you have a very diverse workforce, which are maybe on eight, nine, uh, Um, uh, pounds an hour and a leaf of tips and I think it gives you a really good grounding and that really inspires me hugely because I learn many things for PP in that kind of uh, I obviously don't have any operation accountability, so I'm really <laughs> a silent, silent partner, but I learn a lot from that. I think that's very important. Mm. I think you need to educate. I read many books and only have 10, uh, ten books at the same time. Okay. Right now, I just bought something on blockchain because everyone talks about blockchain. Yeah. and have a very high-level understanding, but I want to go a bit more detail. Um, so I try to, to, to read. I think it's very important to meet uh, people from different walks of life, very inspirational um, I think that keeps me engaged and at the end of the day uh, this is for me the biggest thing I try to only surround myself with inspiring people in my own team yeah. and I have to say if any one of my team listens to that I probably have the most inspiring group of people they're very diverse they're not always easy to manage but uh, they really really inspire me so I'm very lucky and I also have a boss who leaves me lots of space to do what I think is right. Yeah. I think that's also very important. And um, I really believe our company um, you know, has made great progress. I think uh, we do many exciting things now. Uh, there's a lot of change in the industry. There's a lot of change in the world, and it keeps yeah. me motivated.
0: And so what's your favorite book?
1: Um, I, I think this is a question I cannot really answer because my okay. favorite book changes all the time. Ah. Um, I like fiction, I like fact. Um, um, I, I could list at least 100 books where I read it and said, Wow, I learned something. So, a good book or a good performance is when there are two things. It either must have learned something I didn't know before, which helps to make my life better or easier. Yeah. And the second thing, it should entertain me. Ideally, a great book is a book that entertains me, but equally teaches me something I didn't know before.
0: Okay. And can you name any recent ones that have done that for you?
1: Well, basically, a book uh, I really like is now the blockchain. It's not easy to read; doesn't entertain, me, but I <laughs> learn a lot. Yeah. So th- this is actually a very good book. Um, I, I, I do I do like to to reread, and recently rediscovered the book, and that's probably in many ways on a business book. Uh, it's called From Good to Great. Yeah. Um, and I recently, just just. Uh, read it again and there's a section on level five leader and i still believe i still believe this book is probably one of the best books on leadership and that must have been written 20 years ago but i still believe whenever i quote something i go back to the book because it talks about things like humility uh, mm-hmm. intrinsic motivation and i could not actually agree more with anything that is said in the model around level five leadership um, and so it might be probably the, the my favorite business <laughs> book of all times.
0: Okay, fantastic. And final You're question. You're really were teasing out the <laughs> book title
1: now. <laughs> you wanted to pin down. What is it? it? No, th- this one. Good, but, to, yeah, great, good uh, to great. good to great. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so final question. So as you know, Change Board readers and listeners are kind of HR professionals, right. operating in you know this perhaps overused term of VUCA. This volatile and certain complex and ambiguous world, what would be your one piece of advice um, to HR leaders operating right now? What do they need to bear in mind to be successful?
1: Yeah, I I, I think at the end of the day, there's one word and the German word for that is Hausverstand, the English word is common sense. Mm -hmm. I think this is the key thing. Whatever you're being taught, whatever you read, just trust your education, your upbringing, there's some rules that haven't changed for the last 50,000 years that are going to change for the next 50,000 years. And um, I was just writing on a little blog on the power of slow. Because everything is, when you lick, uh, wh- when you read management books, it says agility and fast and speed, yeah. all that matters. I mean, I think what really matters, and that's my advice to HR people, understand when you have to act quickly, but also understand and make wise choices when you need to take your time, when you need to slow down to really take time to think and come to wise decisions. At the end of the day, this is the most important thing. Sustainable, wise decision. Far fewer things are urgent. Far fewer things need to happen today. But I think that's my biggest advice to the child function. There are certain things where you need to pause, take your time, think and come to a very good conclusion. And sometimes it's our role in the HR function. Get your business to pause and think. Because in today's time we don't think enough.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Change Board Future Talent podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a comment and a rating. You can also follow Helmet on LinkedIn, where he regularly publishes articles and opinion pieces. Just search Helmet Schuster. We look forward to bringing you another Future Talent podcast very soon.